Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I'm joined by Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Good morning to you, Julie. How are things downtown? <laughs> Hi, Denny. Well, I'm sitting in your chair. I've got That's all okay. the screens in front of me. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> Feeling so, pretty pro. <laughs> well, you've uh, you've beat me to the punch there. I have not seen that place for about a year and a half. Looks the so, same. Uh, <laughs> no need to further. Your lunch is over here somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Probably still is and growing. <laughs> okay. Uh, we uh, want to remind our listeners that uh, because of uh, huge technical difficulties, what does that mean? That means we have no phone system. They, oh, our entire man. phone system, yeah. It's because it's so I mean, hot out. Maybe, maybe <laughs> well, not so. Not now, but was. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not sure what what the reason is, but I mean this is this is a huge issue, not to make light of it, because right. uh, as you know, Julie, right. I mean we all defend, depend on phones yep. and computers and things like that. The good news is uh, we have, and Julie has, a uh, text screen available to you. So, and we already, as you know, can uh, we've already received a bunch of text messages, and we'll continue to do so. Julie will be with us this hour. Uh, on our excuse me, Smart Garden show. So send in those texts. Forget the phone calls this morning. And that number is 651-989-9226. Julie, what have you been up to and how are things at, uh, around your neighborhood with uh, with all this hot, dry weather? Boy, well, we need this. Yeah, yeah, we need some. Well, it's been really nice to have these couple of kind of a, a respite from the heat. Yeah, uh, true. It's nice to turn off the AC and open up the windows and uh, yeah, just great, great to have cooler weather. And that's important because there's a lot of stress that's been going on in our landscapes. And uh, sp- particularly with woody plants, uh, you maybe have seen wilting or uh, maybe brown edges on your mature trees. We've just had such a lack of rain that, that those plants are really stressed. And unfortunately, because they're so big, we don't notice it very much. Uh, not like what looking at our perennial flowers or our vegetable car- gardens or something like that. So so yeah, much needed rain. Um, don't I guess the next forecast is maybe Thursday. We might yeah, have a toward, chance of rain. Yeah, a small chance. Uh, although uh, it's just a small chance toward the end of the week. You're mm-hmm. right. So boy, oh boy, this yeah. is. Yeah, I've I've noticed the plants in my garden that have been the most uh, floriferous, which is one of my favorite words, means to flower a lot. Are the native plants, the plants that 
have long, uh, deep roots that can really flex and adapt to different kinds of conditions. So I've got a beautiful pollinator garden going in my front yard right now. But some of my other plants in the backyard, uh, they're looking just kind of green. They're not a lot of flowers. And, and that happens because the plant puts so much energy into blooming that when it's heat stress like this, it can't produce a lot of flowers. And we've seen that in perennials. We've seen that in annuals. And we've also seen it in some vegetables as well. But boy, the lawns might, oh, boy, yeah. t- taking a hit. Yeah. Is that, are these lawns going to come back? Well, we hope so. Uh, that's about all we can say right now. It's going to really depend on, uh, you know, the rain that we get, the cooler temperatures. And uh, our lawns are pretty dormant right now. And some of them may may be dead. And we may be doing a lot of renovation. That's a good opportunity in November to do some dormant seeding. Mm-hmm. And you might want to plan on that. Uh, even if your lawn is it comes back somewhat, it's always a good idea to do some dormant seeding in November. Good idea. Here's a text, Julia. It says, can I plant perennials in a large planter box, and will they survive the the winter? That is a kind of a just a uh, kind of a risk, and uh, you can try that. Uh, I would just go into it with open eyes and say, you know, they may or may not make it. Um, if it's a very large planter, you have a good a better chance than if it's a small planter, obviously. So that's good. Um, I would probably put some leaf mulch on top of the soil um, and water those plants as long as you can into the uh, into the fall and just kind of cross your fingers at that point. It's going to depend on the kind of winter that we have. Mm-hmm. Now, this uh, listener has a ground ivy happily growing indoors in a pot. What's the best way to split off a portion to another pot? What's the other word for ground ivy? Well... Creeping Charlie is called ground yeah, ivy, but yeah, you know common it's... names are like that. They're oftentimes okay. used for multiple plants. So I'm going to guess that this is maybe an English ivy of some kind. Uh-huh. But usually they're very easy to propagate. You just snip off uh, a piece with maybe three or four leaves on it and put it in, uh, dip the end in a little root tone. That's a rooting hormone you can buy at your garden center and put it into some damp sand or perlite. Keep it moist and you'll have roots in no time. All right, very good. Yeah, that's what I was wondering from uh, what I've learned from you and your colleagues. <laughs> Ground ivy, I thought, was Creeping Charlie. Yeah. It could be. <laughs> All right, uh, this texter asked about a clematis plant, Has ha- have had for five years, have had it in two different locations. It only gets about two feet high, stays small, but has gotten a few small flowers. I do have some hosta growing around it to keep its feet. P- please help. What kind of help do they need there? Usually what I've found with clematis is when, when they're struggling, it's because the soil is not well-drained. In other words, it's a heavy clay. And so uh, you might want to try, maybe, and maybe the texture already has done this, is uh, adding in some compost, working that into the soil around it. Uh, and, and then also it's good that you're keeping the roots cool, but that drainage is usually the problem, that heavy soil. It likes a good uh, loamy soil, kind of a light soil with some organic matter in it. Uh, I could also need a shot of fertilizer, and you could hold off on that until the temperatures get a little bit cooler. Right now, we don't want to be applying a lot of uh, chemicals, fertilizers, pesticides in the in the uh, landscape, just because the heat is still kind of hanging around, and uh, and the chemicals, fertilizers, pesticides in the in the uh, landscape, just because the heat is still kind of hanging around, and uh, and it can be kind of hard on plants. I know we're going to be getting questions about that very thing as far as lawns right. go, fertilization and, and weed and feed. And I noticed, uh, given this hot weather, and I, you know, obviously we've had to limit our, our, our lawn watering quite a bit, 
Um, what, what about the weeds that have popped up? When is a good time to, to, uh, to fix that lawn up after these, cold, these hot days? Well, I think the important thing about the weeds is to not let them go to seed. And we have an excellent publication from our educator, Marissa Shu, who just joined us from Michigan State this year. And she wrote about, uh, about things about weed. It's called Seed Rain, Weed Seed Rain. And that's what happens when a weed goes to seed. It produced, weeds produce so many, you know, from dozens to, to thousands of seeds. And if you let those weeds go to seed, you're going to have those weeds in your landscape for a long, long time. So that's an excellent article to read about that. But as far as the, uh, so keeping them mowed, you know, or, or cut back uh, or digging them out, it's another good treatment for that. Um, but as far as lawn care goes, it's going to be when the weather is cooler. Yeah. Um, we're going to be looking at maybe August, late, I mean, where August is tomorrow, but later in August, early September, uh, that's when you can uh, see if your lawn is going to rejuvenate when the temperatures get cooler. We have cool season grasses in our landscapes, and, and they like the weather when it's cooler. They do much better. Okay. I'm glad you brought up the uh, website for our new listeners. Yes. Uh, you you and your colleagues have put in so much uh, great work on that, and it's a fun. If I can use that word, it's a fun <laughs> website to to see. There's so much information. Again, uh, it, it's extension.umn.edu. Just yeah, check it out. Exactly. In between things, and and we'll talk more about that too. Uh, again, if you're just joining us on our Smart Garden Show, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M filling in this morning, helping you out, and uh, we have no phones. So that's why we're dealing strictly with text messages. We apologize for that, but we are our entire phone system is down. Uh, but again, we have a lot of text messages. If you want to add to it, 651-989-9226. Back with more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 64 degrees now. And a good Saturday morning to you, the final Saturday, the final day of the month of July already. Denny Long here, along with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, answering your lawn and garden questions this morning uh, via text only, 651-989-9226. And as you know, Julie, we have a bunch of those, so let's get That's to great. it. Uh, when is the, David wants to know, when's the best time of the year to plant new strawberry plants? Oh, well, I think... Uh... Probably, well, I would say probably in the spring initially because that's when, uh, first of all, most of the different varieties are available. And uh, right now you'd be kind of having slim pickings if you were going to go to a garden center for gar- for uh, strawberries. You'd be running down to maybe one or two different varieties. But you could still plant them now. Uh, again, the, the, the temperatures right now are, are looking pretty good, so you could probably plant this week. And be sure to water them, mulch them with some nice uh, leaf mulch or some straw, some seedless straw, and uh, and just uh, kind of keep watering them. Um, you could transplant strawberries now as well if you're moving them around or sharing them with somebody. You could do that as well. So, But uh, I think you're going to get your best choices in the spring. That makes sense. Uh, let's see. My variegated dogwood suddenly started dying from the center of the bush. It's dead for about half of the bush. Should I cut it back, and will it come back, do you think? 
I would cut it back if those branches are definitely dead. I'm not really sure what is going on with it. If it is a very uh, prized uh, variegated dogwood, you can always send a sample to our plant disease clinic and have it analyzed. I think it's about 45 bucks a sample. Uh, they will send you back all sorts of good information. If it's not that big a deal, I would try cutting it back and uh, and then, you know, just see if it does come back the next year. You might want to have to replace it with another type of dogwood or uh, possibly some other kind of flowering shrub. So there are lots of good choices out there in the industry. Julie, this listener has a question about watering a tree. Uh, basically, do you water at the base or between the trunk and the drip line? What's the process of a watering a tree, and how do you do it the best way? Well, that is a very good question. Um, if you look at a tree, a mature tree, we used to think that the root system was a mirror of the canopy. In other words, it was this canopy-shaped root system that went really, really deep in the center, but that's not the case. Most of the roots that are important to a tree are in the top 18 to 20 inches of soil. Those are all feeder roots. They spread out far beyond the drip line. We also used to think that as well, but they go far beyond the drip line. And, uh, and so watering, how do you water a tree? You can water a tree uh, with a sprinkler in that area around and underneath the canopy. That's fine. Uh, that's a little easier. You'll never get all the roots. But remember, those roots also benefit from any lawn watering that you do, any garden watering. They're probably creeping into all sorts of parts of your your yard. So, uh, so, But you could put that sprinkler right around the base of the plant. Um, you don't have to get it by the trunk. You can put it out a little further. And, uh, and remember that it also benefits from other watering as well. Okay. A Japanese beetle question, uh, Julie, oh uh, what to do to control them in the garden and flower beds. Is seven insecticide a good product to use? Well, seven is one of the products that are used uh, on on uh, the plants that Japanese beetles are feeding on. But there's a couple things you can do before you reach for a spray bottle. Um, first of all, understand that the adult Japanese beetles that you see can be coming from miles away to your yard. So just because you have them in your yard doesn't mean you have grubs that have matured and they're living in your yard. They travel. Those adults travel. They fly. They're strong flyers. So uh, they will come and they will move around quite a bit. They're only here for a while, so they'll be here probably another um, three or four weeks. They um, are best handled in a home landscape by actually hand-picking them. And uh, I don't know if this texture was referring to a home landscape or a commercial landscape. But in a home landscape, the probably the easiest thing to do is to get out there twice a day, morning and, and later in the afternoon, bucket of soapy water, and hand-pick those babies off of your plants. Drop them in there. I actually like to walk around and squish them. <laughs> I think it's kind of satisfying. <laughs> I know, kind of gross. But yeah, it's Here's like, the Aha, real Julie Wise. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> uh, but at any oh rate, um, I've noticed this year, and I don't know about other people too, that they're not quite as bad as in previous years. The other thing to think about with Japanese beetles is as beetles feed, as the Japanese beetles feed, for some reason, not really sure, the plant will put out a um, kind of an attractant to more beetles to feed. So the sooner you get out and take care of getting rid of the beetles, the less damage you have and the less of the fact that this plant will attract more beetles to come and feed. So mm-hmm. we have an, uh, at University of Kentucky, uh, Professor um, Dan Potter has written and studied and talked a lot about 
Japanese beetles, and he actually reviewed our page on management of Japanese beetles in home gardens. So if you go to the Extension site at extension.umn.edu and go uh, just type in Japanese beetles in the search box, you'll come to that publication. And lots of really interesting information about the life cycle of the beetles. And that helps us to better manage these pests if we understand how they develop, why they develop, why they come here. They've actually been in Minnesota for a very long time, but they really became noticeable in about 2011. That's what I was going to ask you about. I mean, we, as you know, we get questions about that every week mm-hmm. on the show, but yeah. how many years have we been dealing with this? Has it always been around, or like you just said? It's, it's, it's always been around, and if Mary were on the show today, she would say, I remember growing up with Japanese beetles in our gardens mm-hmm. and our landscapes, and out east, uh, they just kind of live with them, and the populations ebb and flow. Some years they're worse. This year I think they're mm-hmm. a little bit lower because we had such a dry, hot spring and summer, oh, yes. early summer, and that is not conducive to grub development. So, you know, hopefully that's going to be the case and we'll keep that, uh, keep that trend moving. But, um, but they're around. We're going to have to deal with them. Uh, I would hate for everybody to reach for a pesticide every time they see a Japanese beetle. Right. It's very hard to spray the adults. They, they fly right off. So you're not, you know, it's, it's tricky. It's better right. to, to hand pick them off. We have, we're going to take a look at that smoky forecast, see what we're facing here in the next uh, week, five, six, seven days or so. Julie Weisenhauer is with us from the U of M answering your questions. We'll be back with another half hour of our Smart Garden show right after the forecast here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Four. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here. Uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota is in our studios answering your uh, lawn and garden questions today by text only because of down phone lines. <laughs> Never thought I'd see that day, but Thank here it is. For text. <laughs> yeah, yeah. S- uh, the text number is the same, uh, 651-989-9226. Again, we have a bunch of texts and we'll be doing that probably the rest of this weekend. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. All right, Julie. Before we get on, I, I always like to uh, to mention the Arboretum. Oh yeah, such a great yeah. place. Whether what it doesn't matter the time of the year, always a great place, especially if you have uh, like f- visiting friends or relatives, right? Yeah, wonderful place to go. And now with the temperatures kind of cooled down a little bit, it's a lot more pleasant to be out uh, strolling around, taking a look. You can ride the Trumpet Creeper, which will take you around the three-mile drive. Visit the Bee Center, which is on the Eastern Drive, and uh, and the big red barn that's out there, the farm at the Arb, it's called. Um, it's just, it's it's fantastic out there. It's just gorgeous. The the grass collection that Mary curates is is amazing. Um, there's the maze if you bring your kids. Uh, lots of things for kids to do as well. And I would take them to the maze. That's a pretty cool place. Well, what is happening, I noticed when we uh, head out in that direction ourselves, uh, is there going to be the construction? Is there being some, some kind of a biking uh, path too, right? Right. They've been connecting bike trails that uh, you can get on. I have not been on them, so I'm not totally up to speed on it. But I know that the you can bike to the Arboretum. And I understand, I believe that they're actually developing a new entrance to the Arboretum mm-hmm. for safer entrance and exit. We will keep you posted yeah. on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, back to the text messages. Uh, wild raspberries are growing along the edge of our domestic plot, t- Texter says. Could they 
hybridize and how do we prevent this? Um, the only way to prevent it is to actually remove those wild shrubs. And otherwise, there's really nothing to do. Um, bees are pollinating. We need the bees to be pollinating uh, the raspberries. Uh, very important. And if you have wild raspberries on your property and they happen to carry pollen from a wild raspberry to a cultivated form, um, you know, it, it may or may not cause any any issues. You might, uh, you know, you might not even notice if there's a difference. So, um, but if you don't want them along the along the perimeter of your hybrid uh, variety of your variety of uh, raspberries, and go ahead and just remove those. Okay, this listener Julie wants to say or ask, what's the best time to move daylilies and tiger lilies? Well, I'm a fan, as a lot of people know who listen to the show, of moving things in the spring. And uh, one reason is it gives the plant the entire season to reestablish its roots and go through its growing season. The other thing is logistical. These are big plants with big root systems, and it's easier to move them when they are small and they haven't started completely leafing out. And it's less stressful for the plant as well if you move them in the spring. So if you can wait, wait till spring to move them, you know, flag them or make a note in your journal or something. It just says, I'm going to move my daylilies. And then as soon as you start seeing them poke their uh, stems up, then go ahead and dig them up and move them. You can divide them at that time too. Okay. This listener, Julie, wants to know what's a good time to trim my gold mound and Princess Spirea, and how far do you trim it? So I'm trying to remember. With Spirea, we have two different kinds of Spirea, some that bloom in the spring and some that bloom in the summer. And if they bloom in the spring, then you would want to prune them right after they bloom. Uh, And if they bloom in the summer, you can wait and prune those uh, basically in the winter. You can prune them in in the spring as well. Uh, cut them back because that they are going to produce flowers on the new wood that they produce. So depends on the type it is, and I can't quite remember the gold mound and the little princess, um, the princess spirea, whether they are summer blooming or spring blooming. I think they're summer blooming, which means you could wait and prune them, you know, any time in the in the winter when they go dormant or in the spring. I think that's what we have at our house, mm-hmm. and I can see blooms great on them. Yeah, oh yeah, they're fun. They're, they're, they take yeah. a lot of abuse. Yeah, they're um, tough. <laughs> let's see. Here's another one about rhubarb. Uh, wa- uh, watering my newly transplanted rhubarb daily, but some of the leaves have started to cup. Is that too much water, do you think? No, that's actually the plant defending itself against the heat. So it will cup the leaf to prevent uh, uh, moisture from leaving the leaves. And uh, and it's and you see that on tomatoes, you see it on other plants as well too. So um, just keep watering them. Maybe want to feed, maybe want to mulch them, and then in the spring, as they're starting to come up, give them a good dose of fertilizer. They're big feeders. I think I know the answer, at least your answer to this <laughs> next text, the text of what you've told us in the past. Should you cut off the spent flowers and stalks after a hosta has bloomed? What do you think? <laughs> I think Julie says, uh, let's uh, go have a cup of coffee and let them just fall apart by themselves. Actually, I would cut them off. <laughs> oh, really? You changed. <laughs> well, spent flowers produce seed in a lot of cases, and that's a lot of energy that the plant will extend uh, onto, you know, it'll use a lot, a lot of its energy resources to produce to produce a seed. Maybe so what I'm thinking of... I would of deadhead a- them. Uh, maybe I've been thinking, you know, after the, when the fall starts and things start to shrivel up and fall to the ground. I think that's what you're thinking. Like with your yeah. interest. Yeah. 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 That's it. Exactly. Yeah, you're did on I the re- right track. Yeah, of course. Did I redeem myself? Of course. <laughs> okay. As always. All right. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Hello, it says, I was wondering when to plant garlic bulbs and can I use store-bought bulbs? Ooh, garlic. I had a great crop of garlic. So did my cousin Steve. And uh, it, yeah, just really awesome plant. It doesn't take up much room. And you really, when you dig those big bulbs up, it's like, woohoo, all right, I've got great garlic. And we have a great publication on how to grow garlic. But when to plant them, you want to plant them in the fall, so you want to wait a little bit. You can order your garlic now. And you want to order from a grower. So so there's um, uh, one that I order from is called Plum Creek, but there's many other garlic growers that you can order from. You do not want to use the garlic that's in the store. And the reason for that is it's a different t- kind of garlic. It grows out in, say, California, and uh, and it, it it's not uh, it's not quite as resilient to our temperatures and our weather as uh, the garlic that's grown in Minnesota. So buy garlic from a, a grower who provides uh, garlic for Minnesota gardens. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the California city. Oh yeah, but, uh, the garlic capital. But of yeah, we were uh, go- going through there on our good uh, one of our good neighbor tours. <laughs> And you could smell it a mile away yeah. or more. As it starts you, with a G. I can't remember. I'll have to look. The, you know what? We'll get text messages yeah, from listeners us. about that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, Ugh. not only about uh, the, the Arboretum, where you can see if you're thinking about planting this or that or getting ideas, the Arboretum's a great place to, to see actively growing yes. plants or shrubs. Yes. But you can also find out more information from the, the U of M website. That's, That's right. what I've used. Yeah, our extension.umn.edu. We have a lot of great plant lists. I've put up some uh, plant lists specific to pollinators this uh, past summer. One is called Trees and Shrubs for Pollinators. Uh, I've just done some uh, some more information on more annual flowers for pollinators. Um, yeah, a lot of good places. We have a great plant database uh, that can be found under the landscaping section that helps you to choose plants. And, um, yeah, just finished up uh, a new update on gardening in the shade that has a ton of shade plants for different kinds of environments. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's a great website. We've, we've been working hard on it. Yeah, you have, and it shows. If you're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is answering your lawn or garden questions today via text only, uh, 651-989-9226. Here's one, Julie. Just if you can't get the root, what is the best way to get uh, uh, probably rid of squirrel-planted walnut trees in the oh. garden? Cutting them off below ground level doesn't doesn't seem to work. Yeah, you can cut them off, and then you could just take a little bit of um, a woody plant herbicide. So this is something that is they sometimes are called brush killers, or they usually have a triclopyr. Tri, have triclopyr is one of the active ingredients, and you can just dab a little bit on the cut stump. So um, if you can't get the whole nut out of there and it keeps re-leafing out, then go ahead and cut it and just give it a little dab. You can use one of those um, sponge paint brushes and just put a little bit of the chemical into a container and dab that on. That keeps it really targeted. Julie, as you know, we always get questions about Creeping Charlie. What about that? What's (laughs) a good time of year and what do you treat Creeping Charlie with? So Creeping Charlie is, uh, we talked about it earlier, common name ground ivy, Creeping Charlie. Um, and it is a matting plant, meaning it, it creates a mat. And it is in the mint family, which people who have grown mint knows that that's a fairly aggressive plant and you have to keep it under under control. But Creeping Charlie is um, the best time to treat plants for like like weeds, is when they are actively growing. And right now, even Creeping Charlie has probably slowed down quite a bit. So according to our 
wheat specialists at the U, the best time to treat it is in the fall when it starts uh, kind of gathering its energy and putting it down into the roots. So the leaves are photosynthesizing, and they're putting all that energy into the roots. So when you treat at that time, the pesticide gets into the leaves and into the roots, and that's going to be your best time to kill Creeping Charlie. Okay. Uh, good morning. This texture says one of my hibiscus has leaves that are turning yellow, then fall off the plant. Is this due to insects? And what can I use to get rid of this problem? It's not going to be insects. It's more environmental. So it's either the heat, it can be drought, or they can be actually overwatering the plant. And uh, and sometimes you have to also remember, sometimes these plants just drop leaves. The heat can can add stress to the plant, and it just can't hang on to so many leaves. You know, can't support them. So the leaves dry up and drop off. And they'll re- it'll relief out as the temperatures kind of level off. Or uh, you see this too when you bring the plant into the house for the winter, is that it will often drop many of its leaves, uh, changing the environment it's growing in, and uh, and it'll relief out. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Just keep watering it. Make sure that the the pot is draining well, and um, yeah, and it's uh, it's just kind of you know nature taking its course at this point. Mm-hmm. Julie, this texter has a timely question. Does the smoke in the air have a negative effect on plants, trees, and shrubs as much as the drought conditions? That is a question I am not really sure, but if I think about it for a minute. uh, Trees and shrubs as much as the drought conditions. That is a question I am not really sure, but if I think about it for a minute, um, I would say it doesn't help. Uh, It blocks sunlight which is important, of course, to photosynthesis, which uh, is the process that the plant converts elements into energy and helps to support its living, you know, its its uh, life. So I would say that uh, the short amount of time, though, that we've had the smoky air, at least around uh, where I live in the Twin Cities, um, is not going to really affect the plants that much. Um, but if it were to be prolonged, say, for the whole month of August and have this haze, I would say then then we might see some a little bit of stress on the plants from that, just from the lack of the of the sunlight. It's like a, a dirty window can even cut the sunlight oh, yeah. for your house plants. So um so I imagine the smoke is doing that a great deal for these plants. Good analogy. Uh, Julie, we have to take a break. We have more Smart Garden Show to come as we head to the break. Uh, here's a shout out to my cousin Julie from NH. I don't know. Did you get that, Julie? Me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a shout a shout out I to it my was your cousin Julie. No, no, no. A, co- a shout out to my cousin Julie. Yep. My From cousin. NH. Like New mm. Hampshire? Yeah. I don't have any cousins in New Hampshire that I know of. I don't think well I don't either. <laughs> <So> <laughs> who knows where these texts I don't know. have come Carl's from? Carl's sitting over here next to me in the studio. Maybe I'll ask him during the break. <laughs> hmm. Well, it must be Rob and Lynn and they must be up in New Hampshire. I don't know. That's Carl's cousin. Well, we'll see if we can't get some clarification on that. <laughs> the mystery guest, oh, mystery text. Yeah. All right, we're going to be back with more Smart Garden with Julie here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions via text only. If you're just joining us, yeah, our phone system is completely down, so we're dealing with text messages only, but uh, at least (laughs) Julie, glad to have that. 
Otherwise, you and I would be tap dancing a lot. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we um, could have a discussion, though. We could, yes. The long form. Yeah, the, the long yeah. form of the show. Here's an interesting question I think we, we may have had in the past, but I think it's a good one. Does grass seed expire? Texture has had some that they'd like to put down, but have had it a few years. What do you think about that? It depends on how it's been stored. So if it's been stored just in the garage, yeah, it might be time to get some fresh seed. If you've stored it in the freezer, for example, uh, it might be better off or in the refrigerator where it's been cool. Uh, that would help it to prevent it from completely drying out and desiccating. So... Mm. Yeah, you might want to, if it's been a few years, um, you know, quality seed is important, and that's a great way to start a, a healthy lawn. So I think we're all going to be buying a lot of grass seed this, oh, yeah. this fall. So And fall, again, is the best time to seed. So hold off right now. Um, and I'm sure Maggie will be um, giving advice about that uh, as we get into this month of August. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but it is going to be, like you mentioned, August tomorrow. We're going to be at the State Fair uh, Pavilion, right? It sounds like we are. I'm looking forward to it. Maggie's going to be with me, and and we're going to actually get to see you in person, I think. Now, which which Saturday is that? Are we going to be together? Uh, That's the first one. And then Mary will be there with Eric. Uh, the second uh, the one, second Labor one. Day weekend. All right, good to know. Yeah. We'll talk more about that as we'll we uh, get closer. Have some champagne or something. Uh, something, yeah. <laughs> uh, on a stick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this test, uh, listener, this texter, uh, Julie, says, when's the best time to transplant endless summer hydrangea? Can I split it in half? Oh, splitting hydrangea is not usually a good idea. It's better to... Um, purchase another plant. And uh, and again, I'm going to say that right now is not the time to be transplanting, particularly woody plants, because they take longer to establish. Wait and hold off. Um, and, and, the, and the heat is the other thing, too, and the drought. It's tough on the plants. So wait until temperatures really do kind of cool down. Then you could think about transplanting it or wait until spring when the plant is small and hasn't okay. leafed out completely. And a, a texter wants to, to have you kind of back up a little bit about watering our lawns. I don't know if we approached that that much. Uh, they thought that they heard you say we shouldn't water our brown lawns until August, or the end of August. No. I, no, no, we weren't talking. We were talking about, um, I think, talking more uh, about herbicide treatment. Correct, yeah. For weeds at that point. Um, and we, were, we talked about other things, too, and it might have been confusing, so I apologize. But you do want to still water your lawn, but judiciously because we have a lot of watering restrictions on so you have to pay attention to that in your area your town your municipality and uh, water according to that water early in the morning and uh and bear in mind that our our grasses are in dormancy right now um, they will start coming around as temperatures start to cool down particularly evening temperatures we've had some 70s plus evening temperatures yeah. that's really been tough on all the kinds of plants that we have and uh, and there just hasn't been the opportunity for recovery. So you might find that you're going to be seeding more, as we mentioned just a minute ago, uh, this fall, uh, some of those areas that just didn't come back. Okay. Let's see, we've got a couple of minutes to go here. Uh, I need to repot my orchid, Texter says. What should I use for potting soil? I have some bark. Should I add something to it? No, the, just the bark is fine. This is uh, This bark is... is produced specifically for our, uh, our orchids. Orchids are epiphytes. They grow uh, on other plants. They're not parasitic, but they uh, kind of hang and dangle on other plants, and they get their moisture from the air. They get their moisture from the surface of the plant. 
and their nutrients as well. So they are not, um, not all orchids, but most of the orchids we grow in our homes uh, grow in bark. And so that bark is perfectly fine, and you can transplant it probably any time. If it's blooming, I would hold off until it's finished blooming. Julie, here's a listener who's going to be building a new home uh, late October, and the question is, should I sod the lawn then or wait till spring? I would, uh, I would recommend waiting till spring. I would seed the lawn, actually, um, mm. versus sodding it. And, uh, and the reason for that is you get a really more consistent uh, uh, lawn. It's uh, more evenly distributed versus sod. Sods can sometimes, you know, uh, kind of shrink. If you don't keep it watered and watered and watered and, and we don't know what kind of fall we're going to have, you're going to start to see that sod um, not connect and you're going to have lines in it. Um, so I would, uh, I, I guess I would wait and seed that lawn. You could do hydro seeding. You could have a company come out and do that. You could, uh, you could sod maybe, you know, a part of the lawn if you really had to put something down right away. Uh, maybe the most visible, like your entry garden area, your front yard, and then you would you could seed your backyard, and hopefully they would blend together. Julie, we're out of time. All uh, right. I want to say thank you so much for making the trip down to those marvelously, marvelously appointed CCO studios. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk soon, but let's talk a little bit as you head out of here about that U of M website again. Yeah, visit extension.umn.edu. If you did not get your question answered or something occurs to you this week, go ahead and click on Ask a Master Gardener. We've got volunteers uh, and extension educators like me waiting to answer your questions. Yeah, extension.umn.edu. Uh, it's a great website. Julie, thanks so much again. Thanks, and uh, let's let's talk soon. Sounds okay? good. All right. Julie, Wa- Julie Wise and Orn from the University of Minnesota. Again, we're going to be uh, next hour talking home improvement. If you have any kind of a home improvement question, we're going to be taking your uh, questions by text only. If you're just joining us here on CCO, we have no phone system. It's, uh, it's, it's down, but we are taking uh, your questions via text, and that number is 651-989-9226. So get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis next hour here on CCO. A high today with a lot of widespread smoke, uh, smoke to 85 or so. We dropped to 62, no overnight, near 80 degrees tomorrow. Right now, some haze, some smoke, and our current Twin City temperature reading at 64 degrees. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your- 
your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 